Welcome to Don't Look Now, the podcast with your hosts, Jenny McDonald and Will Hageman, coming to you with our weekly podcast of all things of interest to us. <laughs> Whatever those may be, as I've said, old, new, you know, British, not British, Victorian, not so Victorian, mysterious, not so Victorious, whatever the case is. So, Jenny, what are we going to be discussing today? See if I can get this in 20 guesses or less. Right. This one I'll be amazed if you get it. All right, okay. It's a missing person story from 1826. Ooh, missing person from 1826. God. Is it a famous missing person from 1826? Uh-uh. <laughs> <And> probably not. <laughs> I'm going to say no, I don't know this one, so. Okay. Well. All right. This is a story. Okay. Of a guy. Yeah. Who disappeared from a jail cell. Nice. Who happened to have been shit-talking the Freemasons. All right. You ready for this? Sure. I'm good to go. You into it? <laughs> Lesson being, don't shit-talk the Masons. All right. right. So, it's early morning hours, September 12th, 1826. We're in Batvia, New... New York? Those are the words. Yes. It's a stone worker named William Morgan, and he goes missing from jail. Even worse, man. Stone worker and dissing the man. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that guy's in trouble. Okay. He's a deep shit, man. He's an absolute freaking nobody, except for the fact that he's a stone worker and has a family yeah. who is, makes him a person. Yes. And yes. he was born. He just wasn't, like, mega important. Yeah. He was, however, known as a bit of a drunk, quite a bit of a drifter. And he had moved his family relentlessly throughout the countryside, hauling his poor wife, Lucinda, and their two young children from one failed venture to the next. Nice. As you do. Mm-hmm. But he was more than just kind of a vagabond, as I'm sure you can guess. He also managed to infiltrate the Secret Society of Freemasons and was threatening to publish a book exposing the powerful organization's tactics. <laughs> which was bad. As a result... The local Masons began harassing him, trying to stop the publication of this book. There you go. So he's born in Culpeper, Virginia in 1774. There you go. Another 1774 person. Trends. Yeah. Uh, his birthday is sometimes given as August 7th, but there's really no definite source because it's the 1700s. This guy's actually Meriwether Lewis in disguise. That's it. All right. Okay. So he works as a bricklayer and a stonecutter and later uses his savings to open a store in Richmond, Virginia. He tells people that he served with distinction as a captain during the 1812 war. Maybe. And his upstate New York associates are like, yeah, he definitely did that. Other people are like, <laughs> no, he did not, sir. So the Virginia militia does not confirm this information. Okay. Um, whether or not he's been served, whether or not he served, yeah. nobody knows, right? So it's October 19, 1819, when in his mid-40s, he marries 19-year-old Lucinda. That is called a pedophile. There we go. Changed my mind. They had two children. Uh, the first one, Lucinda Wesley, 
and the second, Thomas Jefferson Morgan. Thomas Jefferson Morgan, all right. Two years after his marriage, they moved to York in Upper Canada, where he operated a brewery. Mysteriously, though, the brewery burns down, and he's jobless. Alrighty. They fall into poverty. So they return to the United States, first settling in Rochester and later in Batvia, where he again works as a bricklayer and stonecutter. Um, he's known for being a heavy drinker and a gambler, and doesn't have a good character reference. He claims he was made a master mason while living in Canada, and appears to have briefly attended a lodge in Rochester. In 1825, he received the Royal Arch degree at Leroy's Western Star Chapter, number 33, and declared under oath he'd previously received six degrees and that preceded it. I have no idea what any of this means. It just means (laughs) he was fancy within the Masons. No one knows uh, if he ever got these degrees, um, and if so, where from. He then attempted unsuccessfully to establish or visit lodges and chapters in Batvia, but he was denied participation because he seemed awful damn sketchy. Yeah. They didn't believe his claims to his Masonic background. And finally he said, fine, don't let me in. I'm going to expose all of you. (laughs) So he published, well, he wrote an expose titled Illustrations of Masonry, which in which he's critical of the Freemasons and reveals their secret degree ceremonies in detail. He declared that a local newspaper publisher had given him a sizable advance for this work. The guy's name is David Cade Miller, who um, is said to have received the entered apprentice degree, which is the first degree of masonry, but had been stopped from advancement by the objection of the Batvia Lodge members. So Batvia just was basically screwing over all the Freemasons, it sounds like. And Morgan was promised one-fourth of the profits. The financial backers of the venture um, was the newspaper publisher, the guy's landlord, and a third dude by the name of Russell Dyer. And they entered in a half-a-million-dollar bond with Morgan to guarantee the publication. Sorry, half-a-million-dollars this time. It must have been good. That's a lot of stuff. So he gets arrested on trumped-up charges. And he's bailed out by a group of Freemasons and carried away. He's never seen again. So the conspiracy surrounding his disappearance fuels a bunch of local anti-Mason sentiment, which then turns and leads into a national anti-Mason movement that shakes basically everybody to their core because it's one of the most influential secret societies in the nation and had totally changed American politics. So long before the Freemasons become a flashpoint in the 19th century, the order was just kind of this humble stoneworkers organization um, thought to have been formed in England and Scotland in the 1500s. And then they kind of started to take on more philosophical views. And then they used the principles of stonemasonry as a guiding metaphor um, to secretly assist the members of the areas in business and society. Yeah. What's the guiding metaphor about laying stone? I have heard stuff, but, you know, I'm not myself a mason, so I could not tell you. I know. So the first Masonic lodges begin showing up in the colonies in the early 18th century and then gain a bunch of power and influence. The members eventually play a pivotal role in the formation of the United States because 13 of the 39 signatures on the U.S. Constitution belong to masons. And by the time Morgan disappears in 1820... The representatives were pretty much entrenched at every level of social and political hierarchy. 
um, especially in New York. So Morgan and his friend David Miller, who is that newspaper publisher, are struggling to keep this publication afloat. And all the successful Freemasons have basically, like, propagandized them out. So the two men were just like, we can do this. We can tell. So they're just behind. Okay. Tell everybody we're crazy. You wait and see what we have. Because, boy, let me tell you. So Morgan tries once again to gain access to the local lodge and get more information about several of their cryptic ceremonies and and induction rituals. Mm -hmm. So he starts taking notes when he does get into any of these Freemason lodges. And then Miller starts to tease the releases with these little like exposés in the paper. And by 1826, Miller was like, let me tell you, when we publish this expose, it is going to blow your mind. It's the strongest evidence of how rotten this age old group is. Right. (laughs) So their threat to reveal just blows up. And the Masonic chapters are like, what? Our secrets are going to get out and then they lose their minds. So committees start to get formed and organized to assess what like the fallout of this is going to look like, Mm -hmm. what it means, what the story could say. And as the date, to publish becomes closer and closer, they just 100% start harassing these two dudes. So law enforcement officers loyal to the Freemasons arrest and jail both of them for outstanding debts. Miller's office becomes a target. And then on September 8th, that is when a posse of drunken Masons destroy the print shop um, and damage it with a small fire. On September 11th, the Masons show up at Morgan's house with an arrest warrant for petty larceny. Seemed he'd borrowed a shirt and tie from the owner of a tavern and never returned it. (laughs) Like, real trumped up charges. Yeah. As soon as he got to the police station, though, the charges were mysteriously dropped. But he was arrested for another petty debt of $2. (laughs) Late that evening, he gets, that's when he gets bailed out. And that's when they kidnap him. So he's escorted quickly into a carriage and taken away and never seen again. And... The uh, sheriff basically is like, yeah, we think we heard him yell murderers. <laughs> That's it. But we weren't that interested. Right. We didn't go investigate it. So the rumors start to spread that he's been kidnapped. And each county that hears the news is like, telephone game. Mm-hmm. So it gets bigger and wilder and louder and crazier. Um, and actually the wilder and crazier it gets the better it is for the masons because it makes them seem really like secretive yeah and super powerful super powerful right but also it started to be kind of come a symbol of everything that's wrong with this country is this hidden power that's taking everything over so the men accused of his disappearance are put on trial in January of 1827 but they got really lenient sentences what the rich and powerful got off easily (laughs) crazy talk Although they had been involved in a potential murder, they received prison terms from about one month to two years in prison. Um, And they were convicted not for murder, but for forcibly moving him from one place to another against his will. Nice. That's it. Kidnapping. That's what they got arrested for. Well, no body. You can't prove he killed him. Right? So everybody loves a good conspiracy story, as we have learned. Yes. Especially me. So this little spark, the headlines, the crimes, the murder, the missing, the kidnapped, (laughs) it totally blew up and this whole movement is born, right? So outrage leads to calls for political action and citizens from all over New York State met and declared their intent to stop voting for candidates with Masonic ties. 
So if New Yorkers didn't want to be ruled by Masons, they needed to vote them out. The sentiment basically extends from there out. So all Mason-owned newspapers start to get boycotted. And then this fervor makes its way around the nation. And as early as the next elections in 1828, anti-Masonic candidates were winning offices all over the country. Even the sitting president, John Quincy Adams, declared he had never been and would never be a Mason. (laughs) The anti-Masonic party, considered America's first third party, had officially gone national. By 1830, the first political party to hold a presidential nominating convention, which was a custom we now have regularly. Unfortunately, it was also their last. (laughs) Because they couldn't decide who to to nominate. So they tried to expand the party core to discuss other issues other than Haiti and the Masons. But as it turns out, they didn't actually have any substance. They just didn't like Masons, and that's not enough for a political party. Only unifying thing. Exactly. Uh, It wasn't a complete affair, though, because... The Morgan Affair and all the anti-Semitic, anti-Masonic sentiment that followed. Um, Memberships in the Masonic Lodges dwindles and starts to disappear all over the country. And even though it still exists, it's not... It's not the same level of prominence. Exactly. Yeah, now when you say that, at least the term the Morgan Affair sounds familiar in some way. I might be conflating it with something else. I know, it does, right? Yeah. I don't ever remember being associated with Masons, though. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So an attack on the anti-Masonic party produced shortly after the September National Convention um, symbolically contrasts the Freemasons and aligned with peace, equal rights, and other positive qualities, whereas the anti-Masonic party aligned with darkness. Hey. Real negative. Yeah, that makes me think. Is this the beginning of, like, the Know-Nothing Party by any chance? Probably. I am looking it up. Go for it. So shortly after his disappearance, Miller published the illustrations of masonry with a scathing introduction that was written in the absence of the author who was kidnapped and carried away on the 11th day of September by a number of Freemasons. So basically, he was real shady about stuff. Although the book itself was tame in comparison to what, you know, we would expect in modern day times. At the time, Morgan gave word for word account of a rather dull lodge opening ceremony However, it still had some juicy moments for an early 19th century reader. Um, They revealed that the prospective members had to sign and declare an oath of loyalty to the Masons and keep all of the organization's darkest secrets secret under punishment of torture and death. Is it part of the Know Nothing Party? I don't think so. But the Know Nothing Party started about 1850. Well, it says founded founded 1844, so not horribly long after this. Right. I do not think it is the same thing, but it might have caught the same wave of sentiments. Sentiments. Yeah. So it was basically your whole anti-native, anti-immigrant, anti-Catholic wave that was going through. So. Every once in a while, political parties just have to explode. It's the yeah. thing. So the public's morbid curiosity about the Masons, combined with the outrage over his notorious disappearance, helped make this book a bestseller. Unfortunately, he didn't get to enjoy any of it. Um, And despite all the wild theories, such as him assuming a new identity and fleeing to Canada, or, my personal favorite, he was executed as a pirate in the Caymans. Nice. Yeah. No one really knows what happened to him. We're calling him the 19th century Jimmy Hoffa. That's what we're going to... Perfect. So I guess we could rabbit hole this bad boy. 
So I I think he's buried underneath Giant Stadium. That's where I think he is. Perfect. <laughs> he's in cement right next to Jimmy Hoffa. That's what Someday we're going to find Jimmy Hoffa, and he's just going to have been living at a nursing home. Yep. Everybody's going to feel real damn dumb. <laughs> Someday they're going to demolish some old stadium, and they're going to find <laughs> Jimmy find Hoffa, it. and it's going to blow everyone's mind. All of Richard III, he'll yep. be in a parking lot yep. somewhere. Exactly. Poor man. So, the Freemasons are the oldest fraternal organization in the world. Um, the group began in the Middle Ages somewhere in Europe as a guild of guild builders. Uh, with the decline of cathedral building, the focus of the society shifted. So, now it's a social and philanthropic organization meant to make members live more virtuous and socially oriented lives. It's grounded in the Enlightenment, which took place in Scotland, which makes sense because, yeah. you know, they did everything in Scotland. Um it still conveys core values, religious tolerance, and a thirst for knowledge and sociability. The Freemasons. Oh, yeah, they're in, it's super interesting. It's just one of those weird things. Um, we probably know the Freemasons, the symbology from the Da Vinci Code. Oh, the, uh, yeah, the, I think of American Treasure, or whatever, the uh, National, National Treasure. National Treasure. Yeah. They're coming out with a new one. Yep. Yeah. But, you know, they get into the Mason stuff a lot in that. Right. So things like the all-seeing eye, the eye of providence, was not designed by the Masons. Yeah. Um, it's been used by them, but it was not designed by them. The most well-known is the, the square and the compass, which is the builder's square and compass with the yep. G in the center. Mm-hmm. That probably is. Um, and that G is thought to represent the grand architect of the universe or God. Yep. Yeah. For equal parts, God and geometry. Exactly. They have a lot of handshakes. That's so good. They're like the <laughs> originator of that secret handshake. Yep. But there's a handshake for the different levels that you are too. So like yeah. the apprentice, the fellow craft, and the master. Um, and then each of the different degrees that you are as well. So each one has its own handshake. Can you imagine trying to keep all that shit straight? Yeah. If I remember right, the highest level Mason president was Truman. I think he was actually head Mason at some point. But yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Sounds right. I'm looking it up. That's what the phone is here for. I'll go with you. Harry Truman. Mason. So famous Freemasons, George Washington, Benjamin Franklin, Franklin Roosevelt, Gerald Ford, Winston Churchill, Mozart, yep. Davy Crockett, uh, John Wayne, and Buzz Aldrin. Nice. Yeah. Yep. Harry S. Truman. Well, President Roosevelt would have been the same rank as Truman, right? Yeah, I'm trying to see when they they talk about what his actual Masonic rank was. Oh, his Masonic rank. I gotcha. If you've never been to the Truman House in... Oh, I love that. It's a great museum. Yeah. What's the other one? The Sealy Mansion? Is that it? I don't know. In Abilene? No, not Abilene. Where is it? I don't know. I don't know that. It's I don't like know that one. Forty-five miles where Eisen. Oh, it's Eisenhower. So oh, the Eisenhower of. family home thing. Oh my God! If you've never been out there, the guy that runs that house, you can go on a six-hour tour, man, and it's totally interesting. Just plan to eat before you go, so you don't have to leave because you need a snack. Because <laughs> I had to leave because I needed a snack. Where is that place? I don't know. Salina? No. Where is the Eisenhower Museum? No, I'm just talking to myself. Sorry. <laughs> 
But Degree Mason was Harry Truant. Fifth degree, looking huh? For a, looking for a quick Google. A quick Google-y? Of the rank of Harry Truman. He was a 33rd degree Scottish Rite Freemason. Well, that seems wild. So, yes, very high. Yeah, very high. Cool. But I just have, I just think of that because I've seen pictures of him in his Masonic garb and all that kind of stuff. It's kind of interesting to see. So you got Harry and his stuff. I remember my grandparents were involved in the Masons, and it's very interesting. And we'd be invited to things whenever they would have a ceremony, but it was mm-hmm. obviously like after the ceremony. Yeah. And I just remember it feeling very much like a church. Yep. Like activity. Yeah. No, I had an uncle that was a very prominent mason and you know the masons were a large part of his funeral ceremony and everything they came and and did a lot of the masonic stuff for him and things it was cool yeah i don't my grandpa died before i was really old enough to remember anything but grandma was still involved with the eastern star and then one of our uncles was involved in something with the masons and okay like i said occasionally we would go do something and they'd have like a church style dinner and Mm -hmm. The ladies would talk to you about joining, and it'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. And then they would tell you what the commitment was, yeah, and I was yeah. like, I yeah. already have no time. Yeah, I'm yeah. so sorry. I have yep. been perpetually overcommitted since I was born. <laughs> I don't know. I'm so sorry. You are lovely people. <laughs> yep. Yep. I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've always thought about some of the, you know, the various organizations that are around that, you know, do good in the community. And I, yeah. Yeah. It's always that someday when I have... More time than I have, right? A lot right. of organizations require a minimum volunteering, yeah. a big commitment to yeah, volunteer. Yeah. Like yeah. even the Humane Shelter here, yeah. I remember looking at it and it was like, yeah, it's like $100 and then you have to go to two eight-hour days. And I was like, yeah. you want me to pay to volunteer for you? Yeah. I can't, I can't afford to do that. So... Yeah, it's amazing how difficult it is sometimes to join good groups of stuff. I, you know, yeah, I've had this ongoing thing of I've I've you know been interested in being a safe zone ally at K State, right? And they have training, and you are only allowed to do it if you go to their specific training, right? And they only hold training when I teach class, right? I'm like, is there any other training time you not. ever have? Are you allowed to go to any kind of makeup things? Can you do anything? And it's like, no. So I'm like, basically just not allowed to do it. So, you know, it's kind of like, nice. Maybe you could have alternate times or something so that like, you nope. know. It's like every third Thursday when it's not raining, except for when the sun is out. Like, yeah. What? Yeah. And it was, always, I mean, I've looked up for years in a row and it's always at the time of one of my classes, and it's like, well, that sucks, okay. Yeah, I looked up trying to do it when I worked for the department, and yeah. I thought, oh, this will be great, yeah. I'll just do this, and then the students know they have somebody to go yeah, to, exactly. not that they did like never a... know they had somebody to go to, apparently. Yeah, but it's something that, like, this is clearly something that would be good to do, I'll go do this, and right. then, like, then you're like, no, <laughs> and you're like, okay. <laughs> I guess I won't go. I guess I guess I won't do that. All right. No, it would be good for them to have somebody that's yeah. able to go. Yeah, I remember... Uh, Oh, man, my, my brain's just shot. <laughs> Had an ally in the department since retired. That happens, unfortunately. Yep. 
I would say who, but my brain doesn't work for names right now. So Dave Romito? No, it was... God, how, how can I not think of this person's name? This is embarrassing. <laughs> oh. Taught me classes. It's just, just, you know... Solden? Audio stuff. Steve. Yeah, Steve. Dyer. Dyer. God, could not think of his last name. <laughs> going through the name of everybody just, that I'm retired going through, in the like last Steve, 10 years. But it's not Steve Warren. Who, whatever Steve. Ah, ah, God, you know. So close. Yes. You did good. Yes, but yeah, I know Dr. Dyer was an ally, and I was like, hey, that would be something good to do. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, thanks everybody. As always, rate, subscribe, review, tell your friends about our podcast, and see us next week. Catch Absolutely. you later. Bye. Bye.